Chapter Thirty Three of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny. Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Thirty Three, and all on account of Susan. Not one wink did Susan Betts sleep that night. To Susan her world was tumbling about her ears in one dizzy whirl of destruction. Daniel Burton and Dorothy Parkman married and living there, and her beloved blind boy banished to a home with one David Patch? Unthinkable! And yet— Well, if it had got to be, it had got to be, she supposed, the marriage. But they might at least be decent about it. As for keeping that poor blind boy harrowed up all the time and prolonging the agony, well, at least she could do something about that, thank goodness, and she would, too. When there was anything that Susan could do, particularly in the line of righting a wrong, she lost no time in doing it. Within two days, therefore, she made her opportunity and grasped it. A little peremptorily, she informed Miss Dorothy Parkman that she would like to speak to her, please, in the kitchen. Then, tall and cold and very stern, she faced her. "'Of course I understand, Miss Dorothy. I'm bustin' here where I ain't no business to, and ain't no excuse to offer except my boy Keith. It's for him I'm askin' you to do it.' "'To do what, Susan?' She had changed color slightly as she asked the question. Not to let it be so plain, the love-making. Scene? Love-making? gasped the girl. Well, the talking to him, and the whispering, and consultings, and running here every day, and— I beg your pardon, Susan, interrupted the girl incisively. She had grown very white. I'm tempted to make no sort of reply to such an absurd accusation. But I'm going to say, however, that you must be laboring under some mistake. I do not come here to see Mr. Keith Burton, and I've scarcely exchanged a dozen words with him for months. I'm talking about Mr. Daniel, not Keith, and— Mr. Daniel Burton? Of course, who else? Susan was nettled now and showed it. I don't suppose you'd deny running here to see him and talking to him and— No, no, wait, wait— don't say any more, please. The girl was half laughing, half crying. Her face was going from white to red and back to white again. Am I to understand that I'm actually being accused of of running after Mr. Daniel Burton, of, of love-making towards him? She choked incoherently. Why, y yes, that is, uh, oh, this is too much, too much. First Keith, and now she broke off hysterically to think that oh susan how could you how could you and by this time she dropped into her chair and covered her face with her hands but she was laughing very plainly she was laughing susan frowned stared and frowned again then you ain't in love with suddenly her face cleared and broke into a broad smile well, my land, if that ain't the best joke ever, of course you ain't in love with him. I don't believe I ever more than half believed it anyway. Now it'll be dead easy, and all right, too. But, but what does that all mean? stammered the girl. Why, it's just that, that everybody thought you was after him, and twould be a match, you being together so much. 
but even then i wouldn't have said a thing if it hadn't been for keith keith yes poor boy he and it was hard for him seeing you two together like this and thinking you cared for each other and he's got his plans all made how when you was married he'd go and live with david patch david patch but why why don't you see twouldn't be very easy to see you married to another man would it and loving you all the time hisself and loving me that's what i said susan's lips came sharply together and her keen eyes swept the girl's face but i i think you must be mistaken again faltered the girl growing rosy i ain't i've always suspicioned it and now i know it but he he's acted as if he didn't care for me at all as if he hated me that's because he cared so much nonsense susan tain't nonsense it's sense as i told you i've always suspicioned it and last saturday when i heard him talk i knew he was good as owned it up anyhow but why didn't he tell me stammered the girl growing still more rosy because he was blind as if i minded she stopped abruptly and turned away her face susan drew a resolute breath and squared her shoulders then why don't you do something she demanded do something yes to show him that you don't mind oh susan i i couldn't do that all right settle back then and do nothing and he'll settle back and do nothing and there'll be a pretty pair of you eating your hearts out with love for each other passing each other by with converted faces and highbrow chins and all because you're afraid of offending miss grundy who don't care no more about it than two sticks but i suppose you'd both rather be miserable than brace up and defy the properties and live long and be happy ever after but if i could be sure he cared spoke the girl in a faint little voice you would have been if you'd see him saturday as i did and if 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 interrupted susan impatiently and there that poor blind boy sits and thinks and thinks and thinks and longs for someone that loves him to smooth his pillow and rumple his hair and susan i'm going to do it i'm going to do it vowed the girl springing to her feet her eyes like stars her cheeks like twin roses do what demanded susan i don't know but i'm going to do something anyhow whatever i do i know i'm going to to defy the properties she babbled deliriously as she hurried from the room looking very much as if she were trying to hide from herself four days later keith in his favorite chair sat on the south piazza it was an april day but it was like june and the window behind him was wide open into the living room he did not hear dorothy parkman's light step up the walk he did not know that she had paused at sight of him sitting there and had put her hand to her throat and then that she had almost run light-footed into the house again very much as if she were trying to run away from herself but he did hear her voice two minutes later speaking just inside the window at the first sentence he tried to rise then with a despairing gesture as if realizing that flight would be worse than to remain where he was he sat back in his chair and this is what he heard dorothy parkman say 
no no mr burton please i i can't marry you you'll have to understand no don't speak don't say anything please there's nothing you can say that would make a bitter difference it's just that i i don't love you and i do love somebody else keith your son yes you've guessed it oh yes i know we don't seem to be much to each other now but but whether we ever are or not there can't ever be any one else and i think he cares it's just that his pride won't let him speak as if his dear eyes didn't make me love him but i mustn't say all this to you it's just that that i wanted you to surely understand and and i must go now i must go and she went she went hurriedly a little noisily she shut one door and another then out on the piazza she came face to face with keith burton dorothy oh dorothy i heard and then it was well indeed that the japanese screen on the front piazza was down for keith stood with his arms outstretched and dorothy with an ineffable contented little indrawn breath walked straight into them and with that light on his face she would have walked into them had he been standing in the middle of the sidewalk outside to dorothy at that moment nobody in all the world counted for a feather's weight except the man who was holding her close with his lips to hers later a little later when they sat side by side on the piazza settee and when coherence and logic had become attributes to their conversation keith sighed with a little catch in his voice the only thing i regret about this all this the only thing that makes me feel cheap and mean is that i've won where dad lost out poor old dad there was the briefest of pauses then a small subdued voice said i i suspect keith confession is good for the soul well he demanded in evident mystification anyhow i'll i'll have to do it your father wasn't there at all but i heard you speaking to him my dear she shook her head and stole a look into his face then caught her breath with a little choking sob of heartache because he could not see the love she knew was in her eyes but the heartache only nerved her to say the words that almost refused to come he-he wasn't there she repeated fencing for time but who was there i heard you call him by name mr burton clearly distinctly i know i did but-but he wasn't there nobody was there i-i was just talking to myself you mean practicing what you were going to say questioned keith doubtfully and that that he doesn't know yet that you are going to refuse him no no well yes that is i mean it's true he-he doesn't know i'm going to refuse him there was a hint of smouldering laughter in the girl's voice dorothy the arm about her waist perceptibly loosened and almost fell away why i don't feel now that-that you have belonged to me yet and i think of poor dad the girl caught her breath and stole another look into his face but keith you-you don't understand he-he hasn't proposed to me yet that is i mean she amended hastily he-he isn't going to propose to me ever but he was he cares and now he'll have to know about us but he wasn't he doesn't you don't understand keith he-he never thought of proposing to me i know he didn't 
then what what dorothy what do you mean by all this why it's just that that is i oh keith keith why will you make me tell you she cried between hysterical little laughs and sobs and yet i'd have to tell you of course i i knew you were there on the porch and i knew you'd hear what i said and so to make you understand oh keith it was awful but i i pretended that you darling breathed an impassioned voice into her ear oh how i love you love you for that oh but keith it really was awful of me she cried blushing and laughing as she emerged from his embrace susan told me to defy the properties and and i did susan she nodded that's how i knew for sure that you cared and so i owe it all even my uh, proposal of marriage to susan he bantered mischievously keith i did not uh, it was not a proposal of marriage no but you're going to marry me aren't you her chin came up i i shall wait till i'm asked she retorted with dignity hm well i reckon it's safe to say you'll be asked and so i owe it all to susan well it isn't the first good thing i've owed to her bless her heart and she's equal to most anything but i'll wager in this case that even susan had some stunt to perform how did she do it she told me that you you thought your father and i cared for each other and that that you cared for me but that you were very brave and you were going to go away and leave us to our happiness then when she found there was nothing to the other part of it and that i i cared for you she well i don't know how she did it but she said well i did it that's all keith chuckled exactly you couldn't have described it better we've always done what susan wanted us to and we never could tell why we we just did it that's all and oh i'm so glad you did this little girl so glad yes but she drew away from him a little and her voice became severely accusing keith burton you you should have done it yourself and you know it he shook his head i couldn't a swift shadow fell like a cloud over his countenance darling even now dorothy do you fully realize what you are doing all your life to be tied hush her finger was on his lips only to be kissed till she took it away i won't let you talk like that a minute not a single minute but keith there is something i want you to say her voice was half pleading half whimsical her eyes through her tears were studying his face turned partly away from her confession is good for the soul well anything more he smiled faintly yes only this time it's you you've got to do it i yes her voice rang with firm decision keith i want to know why why all this time you've acted so so that i had to find out through susan that you cared and i want to know when you stopped hating me and dorothy i never never hated you cut in the man passionately but you acted as if you did why you you wouldn't let me come near you and you were so angry with me yes i know the man fell back in his chair and was silent there was a long minute of waiting keith yes dear i confessed mine and yours can't be any harder than mine was still he hesitated 
Then, with a long breath, he began to speak. Dorothy, it, it's just that I've had so much to fight, and it hasn't been easy. But, listen, dear, I think I've loved you from way back in the days when you wore your hair and two thick pigtails down your back. You know I was only fourteen when, when the shadows began to come. One day, away back then, I saw you shudder once at blindness. We were talking about old Joel Harrington, and I never forgot it. But it was only because I pitied him. Yes, but I thought then that it was more aversion. You said you couldn't bear to look at them, and you see I feared even then that I was going to be like old Joe sometime. Oh, Keith! Well, it came. I was like old Joe, blind, and I knew that I was the object of curiosity and pity, and I believed aversion wherever I went. And, oh, I so hated it. I didn't want to be stared at and pointed at and pitied. I didn't want to be different. And above all, I didn't want to know that you were turning away from me in aversion and disgust. Oh, Keith, Keith, as if I ever could, faltered the girl. I thought you could and would. I used to picture you all in the dark as I used to see you with your bright eyes and pretty hair, and I could see the look on your face as you turned away shuddering. That's when I determined at all costs to keep out of your sight until I should be well again. I was going to be well, of course, then, you know. Well, in time I went west, and on my way I met Miss Stewart. Yes, Dorothy's voice was not quite steady. I liked Miss Stewart. She was wonderfully good to me. At first, at the very first, she gave me quite a start. Her voice sounded so much like Dorothy Parkman's. But very soon I forgot that, and just gave myself up to the enjoyment of her companionship. I wasn't afraid with her, that her eyes were turned away in aversion and disgust. Some way I just knew that she wasn't like Dorothy Parkman. You see, I hadn't forgotten Dorothy. Some day I was going back to her, seeing. Well, you know what happened. The operations, the specialists, the years of waiting, the trip to London, then home, hopelessly blind. It was not easy then, Dorothy, but I tried to be a man. Most of all, I felt for Dad. He had so many hopes. But never mind, and anyhow, what Susan said the other day helped. But this has nothing to do with you, dear. To go on, I gave you up then definitely. I know that all the while I'd been having you back in my mind, young as I was, that some day I was going to be big and strong and rich and have my eyes, and that then I was going to ask you to marry me. But when I got home, hopelessly blind, that ended it. I didn't believe you would have me anyway, but even if you would, I wasn't going to give you the chance of always having to turn away in aversion and disgust from the sight of your husband. Oh, Keith, how could you? I couldn't, but you see how I felt. Then, one day, I heard Miss Stewart's voice in the hall, and, oh, how good it sounded to me. I think I must have caught her hand very much as the drowning man grasps at the straw. She would never turn away from me. With her I felt safe, happy, and at peace. I don't think I exactly understood my state of mind myself. I didn't think I was in love with her, yet with her I was happy, and I was never afraid. But I didn't have a chance long to question. Almost at once came the day when Maisie Sanborn ran up the steps and spoke to you, and I knew. 
my whole world seemed tumbling to destruction in one blinding crash you can never know dear how utterly dismayed and angry and helpless i felt all that i knew was that for months and months i had let dorothy parkman read to me play with me and talk to me and that i had been eager to take all the time she would give me when all the while she had been doing it out of pity of course and i could see just how she must have been shuddering and turning away her eyes all the long long weeks she had been with me at different times but even more than that if possible was the chagrin and dismay with which i realized that all the while i had been cheated and deceived and made a fool of because i was blind and i could not see i had been tricked into putting myself in such a position no no you didn't understand protested the girl of course i didn't understand dear nobody who's blinded with rage and hurt pride can understand anything rightly but you wouldn't let me explain afterwards no i didn't want you to explain i was too sore too deeply hurt too well i couldn't that's all besides i didn't want you to know how much i was caring about it all so a little later when i did see you i tried to toss it all off lightly as if no consequence whatever well you succeeded commented dorothy dryly i had to you see i had found out then how much i really did care i knew then that somehow you and miss stuart were hopelessly mixed up in my heart and that i loved you and that the world without you was going to be one big desert of loneliness and longing you see it had not been so hard to give you up in imagination but when it came to the real thing but keith why why did you insist that you must do you think i'd ask you or anybody to tie yourself to a hopeless creature who would probably finally end up on a street corner with a tin cup for pennies besides in your case i had not forgotten the shutters and the averted eyes i still was so sure then john mcguire came home blind and after a while i found i could help him and dorothy this is when i learned that that perhaps you were as happy in doing things for me as i had been in doing them for john mcguire i sort of forgot the shutters and the averted eyes then besides along about that time we had got back to almost our old friendliness the friendliness and companionship of miss stewart and me then the money came and i knew that at least i never should have to ask you to subsist on what the tin cup of pennies could bring and i had almost begun to to actually plan when all of a sudden you stopped coming right off short but i-i went away defended the girl a little faintly not at once you were here in town a long time after that i knew because i used to hear about you i was sure then that that you had seen i was caring for you so you stayed away besides it came back to me again my old fear of your pity and aversion of your eyes turned away you see always dear that's been a sort of obsession with me i guess i hate to feel that any one is looking at me watching me to me it seems like spying on me because i can't look back yes i know it's all very foolish and very silly but we are all foolish and silly over something it's because of that feeling that i i so hate to enter a room and know that someone is there who won't speak who tries to cheat me into thinking i'm alone i i can't bear it dorothy just because i can't see them i know i know nodded the girl 
well in december you went away oh i knew when you went i knew a lot of things that you didn't know i knew but i was trying all those days to put you quite out of my mind and i busied myself with john mcguire told myself that i was satisfied with my work that i had put you entirely out of my life then you came back in february and i knew i hadn't i knew i loved you more than ever just at first the very first i thought you had come back to me then i saw that it was dad after that i tried oh you don't know how hard i tried to kill that wicked love in my heart why darling nothing would have hired me to let you see it then let dad knowing that his loving you hurt me fail dad there as i had failed him everywhere else i guess not this was something i could do i could let him have you and never never let him know so i buried myself in work and tried to forget then to-day you came at the first sound of your voice in there when i realized what you were saying to dad i supposed i started up and would have gone then i was afraid you would see me pass the window and that it would be worse if i went than if i stayed besides right away i heard the words that made me so weak with joy and amazement that my knees bent under me and i had to sit down and then but you know the rest dear yes i know the rest and i'll tell you some time why i-i stopped coming last fall all right but even that doesn't matter to me now for now in spite of my blind eyes the way looks all rosy ahead why dear it's like the dawn the dawn of a new day and i used to so love the dawn you don't know but years ago with dad i'd go camping in the woods and sometimes we'd stay all night on the mountain i loved that for in the morning we'd watch the sun come up and flood the world with light and it seems so wonderful after the dark and it's like that with me to-day dear it's my dawn the dawn of a new day and it's so wonderful after the dark oh keith i'm so glad and listen dear it's not only dawn for you but for all those blind boys down there that you're helping you have opened their eyes to their dawn of their new day don't you see keith drew in his breath with a little catch have i do you think i have oh i should like to think that i don't know of course about them but i do know about myself and i know it's the most wonderful dawn ever was for me and i know that with your little hand in mine i'll walk fearlessly straight on with my chin up and now that i know dad doesn't care and that he isn't going to be unhappy about my loving you and your loving me i haven't even that to fear and oh keith think think what it would have been if i hadn't defied the properties she faltered mistily dear old susan bless her heart and that isn't all i owe her something she said the other day had made me hope that maybe i hadn't even quite failed dad and i so wanted to make good for dad and you've done it keith but maybe he he doesn't think so but he does he told me he told you yes last night he said that once he had great plans for you great ambitions but that he never dreamed he could be as proud of you as he is right now what you had done for yourself and what you were doing for those boys down there dad said that yes and to think of my having that and you too breathed the man 
his arm tightening about her. The End End of Chapter 33 Recording by Sunny End of Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter